Hi, everybody. This is Jeannie Faulkner, and you are listening to Common Sense Pregnancy and Parenting, the podcast, where we talk about all that stuff I couldn't fit in my book, Common Sense Pregnancy, which is a 10-speed press publication. Um, You can find it wherever books are sold. Now, a couple weeks ago, I had the chance to talk with Nikia Lawson in Texas about her work as a doula and a childbirth educator and professional development coach for birth workers. We talked about a recent shockwave that kind of reverberated through the birth community uh, when Ina May Gaskin made some you know, pretty ill-advised remarks when asked during a, a panel discussion uh, about the impact of racism on the births of black women. So I'm sure that you can find the video of her comments online somewhere. But the short story is that her response included, you know, healthcare provider failures, but also uh, blaming of black women for not being better informed about their health. Um, She talked about drug use. She blamed lack of physical labor and exercise, poor eating, lack of prayer. In short, she kind of screwed up. She got this wrong. She said it wrong. She opened up a very, very important need for all of us to learn and listen and grow. Now, um, Ina Mae Gaskin has issued a public apology, and knowing the tremendous contributions she's made to the birth community, I would guess that she might be feeling pretty blown away by how much she still doesn't know. I find myself in that position, impressed by how much I don't know, almost every darn day. It's almost like, you know, the older I get, the less I am certain, the more there is to learn, and the more urgency there is to get it all done before time's up, you know? Anyway, um, when Nikia was here with us a couple weeks ago, we got to about the, I don't know, 45-minute section of our conversation, and we realized we'd only just begun. So we kept on going. And this week, we're bringing you in on the rest of our conversation, because we just have so much to talk about. Let's keep going. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, you know, as I said earlier, we don't know how to talk about racism. We don't know how to talk about power and control and authoritarianism and bullying. We don't know how to talk about it. And we are afraid of saying the wrong thing, but we have to try. We have to be willing. We have to be open to learning. And I think that is, it's not the best we can do. It's the start. It's the start. And it's, it's, yes, it is a start. And And, you know, that goes into the birth community from a professional standpoint. So aside from all the work that we have to do to support and care for our moms, we have to shift that to our professionals as well. Mm-hmm. And it does make a difference when, you know, I have conversation after conversation after conversation with networking women and looking at the, the racial implications that go along with being a birth professional. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've, I've told my white counterparts who I look at as allies and I said, it's your responsibility to have these conversations with your counterparts, just like it's my responsibility to have them with mine. Mm-hmm. You know, I even shared in a, in a chat here recently uh, with a midwifery program that if I'm in a room and there are a handful of black birth workers in that space, I immediately as a leader, as a senior or seasoned or veteran or whatever you want to call it, birth worker, I 
have to immediately go into policing mode. And I immediately start to police the activities of the African-American women in the room. I feel it is my responsibility to do that because, one, I already see how people see us. I already understand the context of what words that come out of our mouth are going to be um, construed or misconstrued for that matter. And so it is my responsibility as a, um, a birth worker in this community, a leader in this industry, to make sure that women who are coming behind me, who are coming beside me, who are even in front of me, understand when we're in those spaces, how we, you know, how we have to be um, on point. So Not to should, say we have to be on guard. Why should we have you to be have, on point? Why should you have to comport yourself in a way that um, appeases the larger community? Why do you have to do and that? And it's not to it's not to it's not to appease. Okay, it's explain. just to make sure. No, no, no. It's to make sure that we understand. I have to make sure that it's understood <laughs> that I know who I am and whose I am. Mm-hmm. I know how it is that I am to conduct myself. I will not be um, mistreated. I will not be spoke to with condescension. Ah. I will not be disrespected. And I need to understand that other black birth workers know that, too, without being aggressive and confrontational and antagonistic. Mm -hmm. So there is a way. And in other words, it's my responsibility to to police the way that young black birth workers are getting their point across. Uh, So it it has to be done. I have to I have to be I have to be true to myself and I have to be true to um, my role in the birth community as a black woman, as a, as a, as a woman, you know, who has some sort of voice and as a leader, I have to be mindful of my role and I have to look at the activity and the role of other black women. And I police them personally. That's my personal responsibility. Mm -hmm. I feel the same way white women should be, but unfortunately I don't see that because everybody's trying to be top dog. Everybody's trying to be in charge. Everybody's mm-hmm. trying to be the leader, mm-hmm. you know, that it's like, mm-mm. let's look at it from my, my responsibility is because I respect my sisterhood mm-hmm. because I respect those women in the room, all of them, my allies, as well as, as my uh, counterparts, I, I respect them on another level. So that's the reason why I feel it's my responsibility, not because I feel like I have to appease the, dominant culture not at all so are you i'm the one that are you coaching them on how to defend their choices talk about passionate subjects in a a way that you know is going to be heard is that what it is heard respected yeah heard respected regarded understood Uh and then listened to just listen if 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 the white women in the birth community would listen without the defense without the um you know uh well i understand martin luther king's stance or you know Uh i'm raising biracial children Uh and i understand it as a white woman you don't understand it because even though you're raising biracial children you're still a white woman right and that happens a lot I hear that a lot. And, you know, you don't understand because my children are of an alternative lifestyle. And, you know, I'm, I'm raising mm-hmm. uh, uh, a trans son or a trans daughter. So it's hard for us to, we, we right. understand it's a different plight. And to understand your privilege makes it even that much harder that you use it as the excuse mm-hmm. to not unpack, you know? So it's like, I'll continue to, to, to start out by saying, I serve the black community. I work alongside you know, in social service organizations to help. And it's like, no, that doesn't, that doesn't impact the fact that you still are a white woman with privilege. Mm-hmm. In most of those situations, I find that when 
white women, and, and I'm going to use Bethany, um, and, and she's here in my birth community. She says, Nikia, how can I support you? Mm-hmm. How can I support you? I said, first, you need to listen. Mm-hmm. Second, if you consider yourself a leader, then stand behind me and use your resources to push me forward in the work that I have to do. Mm, that's great imagery. That's great imagery. I and, love that. And that and that propels that propels me because for you to want to know how I do what I do so that you can stand alongside me doesn't really speak to the fact that you really want to support my effort. Because right. if you want to support my effort, stand behind me with all of your privilege and all your resources and push me forward. Right. So that you do it yourself. Because so that I do it for my community. So that I do it for my women. Yeah. Yes. Ultimately, women don't need anybody to do it for them. They need the power, strength, exactly. resources, and cultural support to live their lives on their own terms, doing their own thing, knowing that they're going to be great, <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. And it helps to do that with people who have a familiarity. That goes back to what we're saying about being familiar with, with how we how we create these intimate relationships without even having a familiarity with a person. Right. I could create a much more intimate relationship with someone who's walked my walked my journey. Uh-huh. At least somewhat. Sure. You know, just being a being a black woman, we have that that immediate familiarity. Right. Um, and so in as much as you may internalize something different than I do, because I have some, you know, and I tell people all the time, just because we're black don't mean we all get along. Right. You know, I have some, you know, some women that I have much more of a, of a connection to that don't look like me than those who do look like me. And there are some women who do look like me who have my heart Mm -hmm. and have my soul Mm -hmm. connected to theirs because we have that commonality. And so when we look at that and we take that into the birth work, then we reach back and we say, okay, now how can you help? And how can you help? And how can you help? That's where I think it gets lost in translation because I think white women want to help, but they feel like in all things, let me do it. Let me do it. Because again, in the community, nobody's trying to police each other. And also with the assumption that let me do it because we do it better. That's an assumption. Yeah. We do it different than you do. Therefore we do it better. That's a, an right. assumption that is completely accepted and part of institutional racism. Right. You know? And the fact that I have more resources so I can do it better than you. Right, right. So you may have, you know, all the bells and whistles like the OR and the hospital that's already ready and set up. But I have that cultural connection that you can never, never, never understand. I was having that conversation with a white midwife. And I was explaining to her, because she's also a lactation educator, I'm a lactation educator. And I told her, I said, I could go in a living room with a black woman, and I can understand how to impact the conversation with Medea a whole lot better than you can. And mm-hmm. she was like, no, Nakia, I can sit down. I said, first of all, you don't even know who Medea is in the family. Mm-hmm. So how are you going to even know how to relate to Medea? Right. Well, well, tell me who Medea is. Just tell me what that means. And tell, See, that's the part. I don't have the energy to educate you and explain to you so that you can walk into a black black household and and have and engage Madea like I already know how to. Yeah. Why don't you support me in my effort to engage Madea? Right. Say, Nakia, what do you need to be able to walk into that to that household, that African American household, and engage that maternal matriarch? What's the and answer? It never crossed her mind. It never crossed <clears throat> her mind that you know, the answer is, do you need, what, what resources do you need? Do you need handouts? Do you need materials? Mm -hmm. Do you need um, financial support? Um, You know, are there, are there any kind of uh, tools that you, that you would need to make sure that you get your point across? Mm -hmm. What can I do to help you? Do you need a gas voucher to get to her house? Yeah. 
Yeah. What can I help you do so that you get to that living room and you make sure that that teenage girl or that granddaughter breastfeeds and her grandmother, that Medea, that maternal matriarch, understands how she's going to support her granddaughter? What can I do to help you get into her living room? Not teach me how to go in her living room. Yeah, yeah. So I that's think, where we're missing it. Yeah, I think that I don't know if guys do this, but I certainly think that women do that we try to find our points of connection. We try to, you know, I think that we do this regardless of what the topic is or what our perspective is. We try when we meet a situation or a person, specifically a woman that we don't know, we try Mm -hmm. to find our point of connection, you know? Mm -hmm. So you were referring earlier to um, someone, a white woman will tell you, Oh, well, I have biracial kids or I have a trans son or I have, therefore I get it. I have this point of connection that's similar, but it's not that point of connection. No, it's not at all. That's not it. And that's not it. It isn't. And and my my question is, how do we do it? How do we, how do we make enough points of connection with what we do have together so that I don't know. Can we ever make that point of connection? I, I don't. Yes, we can. How do we, we do can. it? We can. We listen. First of, mm-hmm. first of all, listening. Mm-hmm. Listening is so super important. Don't come back with don't come back with your Martin Luther King stories. <laughs> don't come back with your with your you know I'm raising I'm raising because I'm raising biracial kids. I'm not raising a biracial kid, mm-hmm. so I don't know your. I, that's not a common connection for me and you as a white woman raising biracial kids and as a black woman raising a black son who's being shot down the street for sport. Yeah. That, that, that part of now, if I meet a, a a white woman who has a biracial son and we're talking about our sons, our fear for our sons when they leave the house, that's our point of connection. But the fact that you're raising a biracial kid and I'm raising a black male, that's two different points of connection. The fact that we're both raising black males that's our point of connection. Yeah. Let's discuss how that impacts us as mothers. Right. Now, you have a as a white woman, she would have a different perspective because she still has privilege. Right. Exactly. She still has privilege that I don't have. Yeah. See, I can't and, and it, let's look at at what privilege does for white women. A white woman is running around our country right now claiming to be a black woman, wrote a book about it and is <laughs> going around the country preaching yeah. about her self-identifying as a black woman that's Rachel privilege allows her to do that yes yes privilege allows her to do that I can never ever 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 walk around and self-identify as a white woman and say okay today I'm going to be a white woman so treat me as such I want all the privileges that go along with being a white woman yeah well and as you know you should have and you know, women should have all of the privileges that white men have, as we all should. You know, it's this concept of of equality in all measure that is the big goal. That yeah, and and that doesn't exist. Equality no, nor equity exists. No, no. So there there is no there is there is none of that until we start acknowledging that from an individual space. And yeah. again, in from from a birth worker perspective you know, white women in general need to unpack that. Yeah. You know, they need to unpack that. You know, there were, uh, there was a native American woman who spoke to her, um, her situation when she went to the March 
uh, I think it was a women's march right after the inauguration. Yeah, it was there. And she went in, she went in full um, ethnic regalia. She had on all of her Native American uh, cultural garb, and she went to the march along with her sisterhood. And a lot of the white women were, and, and they were, and, and part of what she talked about in her story, and I read it on Facebook, they were doing some very cultural um, rituals and white women wanted to join in and just join the circle and mm. be a part of it and mm. you know take pictures and mm-hmm. you know and oh can I take pictures of you in your costume they you know to refer to her themselves. very cultural yes her very cultural uh, attire as a costume yeah you know and and that in itself is like let's unpack that let's let's get that out let's get that out as to why that's important for you to feel like you're connected to her culture, her ancestry, her ritual, because you're in her space. Mm-hmm. No, that's not how that works. And I think that's what happens in the birth world. You know, we think that because we're in the same space with someone that we're connected to them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's so not true. Yeah. And, and we've got to, we've got to stop that. And I, and I say we, as in the birth culture, but then, White women have to look at their privilege, unpack that. Black women have, have got to learn how to identify who those allies are, empower them with the same kind of support that's necessary to be empowered by. So, and I'm, I'm real big on doing that. What I mean is if I have, um, you know, my white counterpart, and again, I'll use Bethany as my example, when she said, Nakia, what can I do for you? One of the things that I said, well, you know, what do you want to do? And she says, I want to make a donation to your nonprofit. And I appreciated that. Mm-hmm. And I let it, and she says, well, don't tell anybody. No, 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 no. I have to tell people mm-hmm. because it has to be identified. Your support didn't come from the fact that you were trying to say, hey, hey, I support this little black organization that's doing their work in the community. So this is what allyship looks like. And if nobody sees it, then it, it goes, un, it goes unduplicated. Can I ask you a question about well, that? Yes. So what if she was coming at it from... You know, a, a lot of uh, Christians will make their donations anonymously because it's something that they feel is of the most spiritual value. You know, they they don't tell anybody what they're doing. So on one on, you know what I mean? Like people will they don't. Yeah. So that's one perspective that maybe she was coming from. But what I'm hearing you say is we don't have that privilege to be anonymous. We need to shine a light on this. Is that yes. am I right? Exactly. Because okay. if, if no one sees what is being done, then they can't duplicate that. Yeah. So it, not everybody's going to say might, this is my Christian duty. Yeah. No, I was just referring not so much to the Christian duty, but to the um, the Christian premise of you do charity. All right, I get it. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But it may not even occur to people that they should make a donation to this nonprofit. You know, yeah. Or here's another thing she did. She showed up. Yeah. She showed up at one of my classes and she just sat there and she listened and she gave insight when she, when she was, when she was uh, asked and, and she says, I want to support you because I just want to know what it is that you're sharing so that I can share with other people. And I can appreciate that because if she's in the room and she's hearing me teach my free community job work class, mm-hmm. then she can go out and say, oh yeah, and the kid talks about this, 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 and this in her class, by all means, you should go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So she's not blindly sending people to my class. I appreciate those who do, who just say, hey, Nakia's teaching a class, go there. Yeah. But for someone to have been able to experience it with me and to be able to say, I 
regard what you do so much so that I will experience it with you and I will share it in kind. Yeah. Okay. That's what allies do. Well, then I have another question. Sure. Um, so you were talking about at the march where white women were joining the Native American um, circle where they were engaging in cultural birth practices, correct? No, this was a, this was it wasn't birth practice. From my understanding, from what I read on Facebook, it was just very much so a woman sister circle uh-huh. that was a ritual amongst okay. the Native okay. American women, and there were white women who were trying to just join in their sisterhood. Okay, in that so, in their safe space. Uh huh. So they need to recognize that that was an an inappropriate way of them trying to immerse themselves in a situation that wasn't theirs. Exactly. But then you're providing me an example of what, you know, it starts with recognizing where you don't belong, but it, but then you provided me an example of something that Bethany did that is a better example of how to appropriately immerse yourself in the experience. Am I correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. So show up and listen, show up and listen, Yes. but don't make yourself part of it. Yes. No. In some case, in some cases, if you're if if I engage you for the for the sake of your insight, then yes, uh-huh. okay. But otherwise, just show up and listen. I do that if I'm learning somebody's culture. Uh-huh. When I have been invited to uh, Mexican events, because there's a lot of Mexican family uh, families that I support, mm-hmm. and I and I show up, and and I and I sit and I watch and I listen and I learn. And the person who invited me, I'll ask her questions. Well, what does that mean? Um, you know, how, how does that, how does that, how does that fit in the ceremonial things that are going on? There's a lot of things that I've been able to experience. And because I've asked the appropriate questions instead of why, why do you do that? Why is that happening? What, you know, why, what? No, uh-uh. mm-hmm. that is beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, how, how, how is that integrated into the ceremony? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what, what impact does that have on the mother and how she's, how she's embracing? And then I learn mm-hmm. because I'm right there in it and I'm learning. I'm listening. I'm saying, Oh, what y'all doing? Why y'all doing that? Mm-hmm. What's the purpose? What? No, that doesn't help me learn. Right. I listen and I observe and I take it all in. And then when the time is appropriate, I yeah. can inquire. Yeah. And it may not even be during the ceremony. Right. It may be two or three days later once I've had a chance to kind of say, wow, that was beautiful. Or look back at pictures. Oh, I wonder what that meant when they did that. I call the person who invited me up and say, hey, when they did such and such, what did that mean? Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Okay. So now when I see it again, I can respect it. Yeah. And regard it. And I'm not trying to infiltrate someone else's culture. Yeah. And that makes a big difference in how we support birth. Right. So. I kind of want to circle back to, I have a number of things that I want to make sure that we talk about. I want mm-hmm. to talk about, um, okay, I'm just rattle it off real quick so that you and I make sure that we tag it before it, you know, I lose sure, that sure. train of thought. I want to talk about um, how you bridge the gap between private and community-based uh, you know, birth work. Okay. Specifically, that is really important to me from a feminist perspective. I also mm-hmm. want to talk about how uh, people in the birth community, I, I want to create a very, very short, specific action plan for people who are working in the birth community to know what's right to do. Now, this is, seriously, I know I am putting down a great, big, huge 
<laughs> wad of request here, but I want to make sure we talk a little we'll bit as about much this. As we can. We yes. can, and then we'll just book another time where I mean, this is going to need to be an Beautiful. ongoing conversation. Clearly. Beautiful. Yeah. So let's okay. Let's um let's start with the business model and the reason. We're going to get yes. yeah. The reason this is so important to me is because it is a huge part of my message to women that it is entirely possible to combine service and business. It's entirely yes. possible. And not only that, but we must do this. We must start placing monetary value on women's time, skills, and services. Mm -hmm. We mm -hmm. also need to quit assuming that women should give away women-centered services as a volunteer or non-monetary thing because it's women's right. stuff. Therefore, it's, you know, it's women. You don't pay for that. Right. It's just women. Right. Women. Why should anybody put money on that? We have to right. get away from that. That is, you know, we use that. We use women's time, services, and skills in all kinds of arenas with the the expectation that they'll give it, we'll give it away for free. You know, mm -hmm. we look at our public schools and it's primarily women who are volunteering there because, you know, to provide yeah. essential skills that are needed and that they're not going to be paid for. It's just assumed that right. mothers will do this, you know, and right. Definitely. in the birth industry where you and I both work, especially mm -hmm. in the doula community, people say, well, you're just providing support to women. Why should we put a monetary value on that? We could do this Correct. with any women's industry, any industry. Why should, women be, why should women be paid to do their jobs? Well, first of all, there's value in what we do. Yeah. I'm worth my weight in gold Damn right. to provide a woman a connection to her experience for the one that you never get again. Two, it's the birth of her baby. It's the most important day. It's the one thing, the one milestone of life that literally changes you as an individual. Uh -huh. And for every woman who's had a child, we understand that one shift, whether it changes you to be the, the best person you can be, or it shifts your life and you think, oh my God, what did I just do? I don't have what it takes to take care of this vulnerable individual. Mm -hmm. Either way, it changes you from the moment that you find out you're pregnant yep. and you're going to be somebody's mama. Yeah. <laughs> so I tell them all the time, you got to be somebody's mama. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a complete you know, 40 shift weeks. Yeah, of identity. You go from being yourself to being someone's mama. Exactly. Yeah. And with that, someone guiding you through that process, whether it's from the moment you find out you were pregnant or right before you give birth is valued time and experience. Yeah. I use my son as the example. He's my minor. I have a, a grown daughter and I have uh, a teenage son and I have a granddaughter. And I use my teenage son, especially years ago when he was smaller and I drug him everywhere with me. And I'm, as I was doing presentations and I was talking about the work that I do from a service perspective. And even then when I was uh, earning just a little bit and not nearly as much as I, as I make it an effort now, but to just identify him and say, you see this young man, this is my minor child. He's the most important person on the planet to me right now. For me to take away time from him, the most important person on the planet for me to serve you, there must be value in that. Yes. Because I take my role as a mother very seriously. Yes. And so for me to walk away from my one number one priority to come and be a part of your experience, there's got to be some value in that. And I cannot allow myself to do that without compensation. 
Plus, there's so much work that goes involved in, you know, just saying so supporting a labor. Work. Yeah. It's physical. It's mental. It's spiritual. It's a complete personal experience. All of it. All of it. Yeah. All of it. All of it. <laughs> so so you, that's, that's part of it. The I don't value know that you, we put in it. So. I come away from a birth ringing wet. I have worked my sweat out. Yeah. yeah. And I'm tired and I need yes. to sleep. Mentally, physically, yeah. emotionally, spiritually, yeah. I am drained. Yeah. Yeah. And that is the purpose. When I feel that way, I know I have done it the way God intended for me to do it. Yep. She wanted me to go in and she wanted me to give it my all. And in reverence to her, I do it. Thank you. I love and how you speak. That I is what happened. I love it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Okay. So, we, so that's part of it. So that's t- part of why we have to be compensated. Okay. Um, Tell me about this business also the model part, a little bit. So the part of the, the part of it is the earn and serve. So we serve through education. I, I truly believe that education is something that, yes, you can put a, a monetary value on it, but if we make it accessible to women, if we make it accessible for them to understand the what and the why, we can in turn sell the how. Mm-hmm. We can monetize the how. Mm-hmm. So if what and why is what I need you to get in your spirit as a birthing mother, then how you do that is what I can in turn take you step by step through, which that's what I can monetize. Yeah. But you can't walk away from me without the what and the why. Here's what you, here's what you need and here's why you need it. <clears throat> And then let me show you how to get it. Mm-hmm. And you can just pay me for that part. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and that's that's the business model that I promote. Okay. Great. The what this and is... the why is the service. Yeah. The how is the monetize. That's the earn. I love it. I love it. Okay. So we touched on that and I want to talk about that further down the road. Um, but I wanted to I wanted to make sure that you know any of our listeners that are interested in this we have a lot of birth professionals that listen to the podcast that um, we're going to make sure that they can get to your website and find more information about that and I Are anticipate sure? that we're going to have another conversation about that someday. But that part I would love to have another conversation yeah. about. Yeah. Yes, bridging yeah. that gap. Yes. Oh yeah, but. For the sake of finishing off part two here, I feel mm-hmm. like, at least for the way that I try to organize my learning curve or my ability to have a positive impact on an experience, is I need a I need a little action plan. Action plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, let's say that I am a white. 32-year-old labor and delivery nurse in middle America, Mm -hmm. and I am coming into a room, and I am meeting my patient for the first time, and it is an African-American woman and her family. Mm -hmm. So we take care of the formalities. We, you know, put her on the monitor. We take a set of vitals. we, We talk about the lab tests, and then any good nurse should at some point in her, you know, introductory conversation, be addressing the very specific needs, concerns, cultural um, considerations, personal history, you need to start addressing the personhood. Mm -hmm. And what should we do in that moment to have that conversation where we also address the racism, 
that is present? What do we do? Well, first of all, we, we have to ask a woman what she needs. Yes. A lot of times we do the formalities, and I've noticed it because I've, I've been about 98% of my business model in the hospital. I don't do a lot of out-of-hospital births. So I'm in the hospital a lot. And, and having had a hospital contract with the county hospital here, um, having seen that a lot, nurses will explain, you know, this is what this is what we're here to do. This is what's going on. And then the assumption is made that, she's okay from there. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I rarely ask, you know, I rarely heard a nurse ask a mom, you know, have you had any education about what the expectations are here in the hospital? Mm-hmm. Um, did anybody ever, ever talk to you about what your options are? So none of that, none of that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, addressing the family as a unit, mm-hmm. that doesn't happen. Um, asking a mom, you know, uh, about her support system when she leaves the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't happen. The, th- there's all these assumptions that are made. If I see her mom there, I'm assuming her mom is going to support her when she gets out of here. Right. Uh, or somebody, somebody's going to support her. Or if the husband is here, I'm assuming he's going to support her when he comes. Well, he just may have showed up for the birth. Don't even know if he's or a the, part of the experience. Or the mom or the husband or whoever else is in her family or may whoever. have full-time work. And, you know, they're they're not there have no idea what's going on with this woman when she goes home. Right. Um, so that, that part, that part gets missed. Um, but you know, like I said, no one asked moms what, what education she's had. Mm-hmm. No one asked mom about the support that she's had. No one asked mom, you know, are, are there any things that you want to, um, that, that we need to know to better serve you that we need to know. Mm-hmm. Um, there that are moms who the have question. past, past history and past trauma. And they don't want VAG exams. You just automatically just start assuming that they're, and then where I was, was a teaching hospital, not only just a county hospital, it was a teaching hospital. So you want the medical students to do VAG exams on this woman. You want, you know, all these different people to perform procedures. And she's just laying there like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do. And they act entitled. You know, they may do it kind of yes. nicey-nice, like, oh, oh it's a very gonna... nice entitlement. Oh, it's oh, very yes. nicey-nice. These are yeah. students, they're learning, and so we appreciate it when yeah. they get an opportunity to learn. So, you know, if you don't mind, we're going to go ahead and have the med student check you as well. Is that okay? Yeah. And you're not in your head, yes, six, and mom's like, okay. Yeah. Six students put their, their fingers in your vagina while you're having contractions and in pain, and we're going to do it in public, but don't worry, we're going to have a little sheet over your lap. Oh, yeah. Right. So those are the kind of things. And so if she's been traumatized in her past and that doesn't take, no one's taking that into consideration. So these are the kind of considerations that we as doulas do. Yeah. Good doulas. Yeah. Good professionals. We uncover some of this stuff so that we know going in when we're talking about a birth, we can empower mom and say, you know what? I prefer to have limited vaginal exams. Yeah. And that's as much as I want to say about it. Yeah. And that gets respected. Thank you. Perfect. And that gets respected. She now, doesn't have to go into a soliloquy as to why she doesn't right. want a vaginal exam. Right. She doesn't have to the reveal her personal. She's empowered. Yes. Yeah. The fact that she's empowered enough because she's had someone to guide her through education, through uh, through support, through empowering her to say, this is your choice. Let it be known. Verbalize it. You can even write it down. Yeah. And it should be respected. That's the part that gets missed. The last little part. But then, you know, what happens is that women will give that power away at that moment and they'll say, 
Well, I just didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to make them mad. I didn't want them to not like me. I didn't want them to be mad at me because then maybe they'll treat me worse later. So I'll just do this this thing now. I'll just give away my power. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll just open my legs. That happens often. And they say, oh, I'm sorry. And then they apologize. Oh, my God. I can't even tell you how many men apologize during the process. Uh Uh-huh. And uh-huh. I'm saying to myself, sweetie, you have no need to apologize to anyone. Yeah. You're you're experiencing this for yourself. This yes. is your experience. Honor and that feelings. gets missed as well. Yep. Yes. Yep. So we, we've got to get to a place where the professional medical staff is educated on how to honor a woman's choice. Yeah. Honor a woman's a woman's voice. It's not That's that hard. Missed. It's not that hard. It's not that it's not that hard, mm. but it's definitely missed. So it is think about often. what do we need to do. We need to get to that point. Yeah, we do. To and where a woman's voice is honored. So the way that it can and should happen is that with every, you know, let's use this specific example because everyone who's listening to this, Nikia, has been in that position where somebody wants to do a vaginal exam on them and they don't want it and they won't say no. So. Mm-hmm. The proper thing for the medical professional to do at that point is to say something like, I feel like I want to do a vaginal exam. I want to see where your cervix is at. Is that okay with you? Because I don't have to have this information and I'm going to respect your choice. Whatever you say to me right now is fine. We're cool. Make it easy for women to say, no, (laughs) no. And exactly. they're still going to be respected. Oh, we've got so much work to do, Nikia. So we- <laughs> much work to and, do. And it's, and, it's, and it's important for birth workers to hear this so that they know how to empower their clients. Yes. And so it's important that, that all birth workers, because I tell people all the time, when it comes to Nikia and how I, and my stance, my, 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 experience with working with families. I'm a woman first. Mm-hmm. I'm a woman who was given birth. Mm-hmm. So I'm a woman first. Then I'm a black woman. The most universal and experience then, in humanity. Yes. That's, that's me first. And then I'm a black woman. And then I'm a woman who looks at who's going to regard their experience with the highest, the highest of regard. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm going to pour my energy into. Mm-hmm. So that's my hierarchy of, of service, of, of purpose, of, mm-hmm. of, uh, operations. You know, I look at you as a woman, then I look at, you know, are you, are you a black woman with some marginalized, you know, issues and, you know, are you disproportionately affected by these situations? And then how much is this woman going to regard her experience? Yeah. Because if you're a black woman and you have no regard for the experience, then I can't give you that energy versus a white woman who is going to put the regard on the experience even that much more, because at the end of the day, you're a woman first. Yeah. I'm a woman first. Oh my goodness, Nikia. I could not have chosen better closing words. Mm. Mama said there'll be days like this. There'll be days like this. Mama said. Mama said. Our guest today was Nikia Lawson. And you can find out more about her and the work she does over on Facebook. Just go search for Birth Blessings Professional Birth and Doula Services. You'll find her. You can learn more about me at my newly designed website, Jean Faulkner. Um, I'm going to spell it, guys. Somebody told me, you have a hard name. J-E-A-N-N-E-F-A-U-L-K-N-E-R.com. Email me, Jean at Jean Faulkner. 
leave me a rating over on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts, if you will. Subscribe, share, 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 and please send me your questions. Common Sense Pregnancy and Parenting is produced by Alex Ward at Sounds Like Pictures Studios. Thanks for being here with me, and let's talk again next week. Bye-bye. Someone will look at me